Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter attack. It's Didier Drogba. And now Kidd in the middle. Drogba goes. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mix it on when you do. Stretch it. Chelsea 2. And Didier Drogba has it. Drogba in the centre. Nicole just came to the ground and just pulled out. Possibly bleak as this. Never ended up in McDonald's. And I have had a trophy in one Welcome listeners to the latest edition of the Chessie Hour podcast. I will be hosting today. My name's Timson. Um, I'm here with Dan. How you doing, my guy? What's up, bro? Always look forward to when Timpson's hosting. I know it's gonna be interesting. Uh, pod, I know we're going to hit several topic areas, so yeah, I'm interested to see what we've got to talk about today. And Ash, how are you doing? Uh, good evening, man. How you <laughs> doing, man? I told you I'd be back if uh, if if Lukaku was doing well and uh, Lukaku was doing well, so I'm back. Is Lukaku doing well? Yeah, he scored against Arsenal. That's that's, that's him doing well. Mm-hmm. One in two. That sounds well, familiar. One in two. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But um, I mean, yeah. the second one doesn't count, does it? We'll play against. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into it um, later on in the pod, probably. Um, yeah, first time back in a while. Good to good to be on. Um, had about a COVID that took me out. Just had my first um, vaccination, and I managed to cop some whiskey tickets. For those of you who didn't, shame. Sorry. I enjoyed it. For... I saw you celebrating on the timeline. I was. I was. I was happy for you, but I was jealous still. <laughs> I don't know how, because like it was ten past, um, it, it was ten past ten. So I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not sure how I've managed to fluke this, but it was the scariest thing in my life trying to trying to check out with them tickets. 
All right, cool. Um, we're going to get into, um, we're going to be talking the transfer windows. We're going to give a roundup, um, some departures, some arrivals, um, the winners and losers of the podcast, as well as getting into some questions um, from you guys who've um, contributed on Discord, which is greatly appreciated. Um, so without any further ado, shall we get into it? Let's roll. Cool. First up, let's just, the transfer window is closed, as we're well aware of. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a quick roundup of the departures, followed by the arrivals. Obviously, this is this will be um, a summary of the players that um, we weren't already familiar with, so there won't be any mentions of, say, a Conor Gallagher going on loan to Crystal Palace. It will just be kind of uh, the more recent departures, as well as the one arrival that we had on deadline day. So we had Tammy Abraham completing his move to Roma um, for 36 million. Obviously, we have the opportunity to buy him back in a few seasons. Um, already got off to a good start. Tino Andrin, um, post-deadline uh, day, because obviously Russia's transfer window remains open, has completed a loan deal for the rest of the season to Lokomotiv Moscow uh, with the opportunity for that to become permanent with a 17 million pound by um, transfer option to buy as well as um, Chelsea being able to purchase him with a buyback clause for double that double that amount. Kurt Zuma exited um, to West Ham for 31 and a half million pounds according to transfer market transfer marks. Davide Zappacosta obviously left the club to Atalanta for about eight million pounds. Tamue Bakayoko has gone back on loan to AC Milan, which feels very strange at this point to me. Um, but Chelsea received a loan fee of about uh, 1.8 million. Uh, Kennedy's gone back to Brazil to Flamengo for about just under half a million pounds in loan fees. Uh, Emerson's gone to Lyon on loan for the same amount. And Michi Batshuayi has gone to Besiktas um, for about um, £135,000 in loan fees. Danny Drinkwater will basically spend the last year of his contract on loan to Reading, while Ethan Ampadu has gone to um, Venezia um, in Syria um, with no registered loan fee to either of those two players. Um, Arrivals-wise, uh, we signed Sal Niguez on loan for the season for an reported loan fee of £4.5 million. And then we have players, if you're familiar with Dragon Ball Z and Garlic Jr., you'll know what the dead zone is. Um, players who are just currently in limbo. So players in that dead zone are the likes of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ross Barkley, Manang Saar, Lewis Baker, Charlie Masonda, players who aren't really in and around the first team. They're just kind of, um, they're just kind of stuck at this point in time. So um, we'll start off with the departures. How are we rating this window out of 10? Um, I'll start with, I'll start with you, Freemium. Um, well, <clears throat> overall, I'd probably go about an, an eight. I think for me, the, the, the priority was getting rid of Deadwood. And we did some of that, but not enough. Um, yeah, not enough Deadwood, man. So, so I'm going to give it an eight just because we've got Lukaku. I thought that was a solid signing. Not exactly what I wanted. I wanted a more like a creative attacker. But <clears throat> Lukaku has that, has that in his bag as well. So hopefully... Hopefully with some uh, some smarter wide players playing, because we do have them, but we just don't really play them. Hopefully with some smarter wide players playing, we'll be able to make up for what we, we missed creatively last season. So yeah, eight out of 10. Mostly just because of the outgoings though. The outgoings are really necessary. 
Uh, what's your take on the um, outgoings and transfer window as a whole? I don't, I don't care about outgoings. I've said this many times. Do you know what I'm saying? I see people celebrating. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who have we actually sold, but people celebrate. Finally, we got rid of Drinkwater. Finally, we got rid of Bakayoko. They don't stay on my mind. Do you know what I'm saying? When it comes down to it, if they're not in the round of squad, then I don't pay them any attention. So all of them outgoings for me, I know Freemium and Jermaine as well, um, obviously, he loved that. He loved the outgoings. That's what that, that that was his payday. Forget the the incomings. He wanted to see people leave, even if they weren't really in and around the squad. So for me, I just look at who's come in really and truly. And um, Sal, I can't really say too much about him. I'm not gonna lie. I don't watch La Liga like that. And then Lukaku, I, I still see some of the United stick. I'm not gonna lie. Premium, premium gas the whole fan base. Maybe even gas yeah, the hour, but I still see a little bit of United stink. And you promised me I, a non-United stink, Lukaku. I don't, I don't like what, what you're seeing. Right, is just the same kind of performances that you see from other players because you have this image in your head. Oh, right. not being capable. <laughs> like man, take like I saw, I saw the the first game. Man mm-hmm. takes a top goes off into the corner. If that was Lukaku, you'd have been like, oh, that's the United stink. But because it's Mount. It's just, it's just uh, uh, a mistake. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't try and put it on me. But to be fair, since Lukaku's come, I've never thought Lukaku was a trash player. So maybe that's it. For me, I've never thought he was trash, even at Man United. But then I've never, I've never thought he was excellent, like top-tier premium. And so, um, yeah, Lukaku coming in, I'm hoping that he's an upgrade on Werner and that he can actually, you know, non-penalty goals hit around at least 15 especially if you're going to start all the time. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's an upgrade. I'll give I'll give this window, for me, I'll give it like, um, like, a, like a five or six, five. Yeah, that's me, five. I'll say five. Man, that's uh, quite, quite low, to be honest. Um, I didn't think there was much to be added to this squad, um, but because, because we got those pieces that we needed obviously an extra midfielder that's debatable um depending on obviously your preferences but we definitely needed that center forward so when the pundits are saying Chelsea need a center forward and they're some of the most clueless guys at times um in terms of individual squad analysis um when they're when they can clearly see that um Chelsea need a center forward um and we get one of such quality I think um yeah I'm gonna give Chelsea probably a seven and a half um, out of ten for the window. Seven point five. Just let's not even do decimals. Um, pick a seven or right, eight. If I had to give it, if I if I had to give, um, yeah, I'm probably gonna give it a. I'm probably gonna give it a seven. Um, it doesn't it doesn't go to an eight because of the departures and um, the lack thereof for players who obviously could have benefited from the minutes. But we'll get into that. Um, further on, um, so I like I'll ask you're giving Lukaku, man. I really I appreciate the respect they're putting on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, not hearing enough respect from that. But I like your respect. Uh, is it just me that's not giving enough respect in the Chelsea Hour camp? It's probably just me, yeah. yeah I man, think I, so I because it's one. only two games, was it two games in? And for I'm, me, he was 
Um, he, he he was good. He was very solid in both. He he showed his he showed the experience that he didn't have when he when he when he left England initially, um, especially in the Liverpool game where where a man down. But um, you know you're not really putting that level of respect on it. You're you're saying I'm I'm giving them respect. Listen, the last time I was on a, a, a pod on the Chessie main pod with Premium, I usually do the convincing. I usually take people down, and Freeman did a good job to out-convince the fan base. Like, you basically did a number on me, so I'm not going to go head-to-head with you right now. I'm still trying to, you know, get back in shape. But what I'll say with Lukaku is, I'm not saying he's bad, but I just don't think he's excellent. That's all I'm saying. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's excellent. All right, Dan, let me ask. Could we have done better in terms of um, an alternative striker signing? Yeah, we could, we could have, definitely. Harland, yeah? No, not necessarily. I mean, I wasn't all in on Harland either. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not necessarily. I don't. Everyone does this in the window. We have to sign him. Who else is there? There's always someone else, and doesn't necessarily mean I have to have the answer. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I'm not paid to do the research. Do you know what I'm saying? But um, if you're asking me, can we do better than Lukaku? Yes, we 100% can. I think when I've seen Lukaku up front for Chelsea. Yes, he's got the like hold up, the strength. He's a bully, and I can appreciate that's what Tuchel wanted. So it's not. I'm not complaining. Just for me, when I look at our attack, still, I only see Kai as the elite player in our attack. That's the only elite player I think that we've got in our attack. Personally, I am gonna hold you to a. I'm gonna hold you to a higher standard, um, because um, obviously you're not paid to talk about, um, to analyze and look at alternatives, but, um, I'd expect you to have an idea of who you might, um, consider no, no, as an alternative, say, Lukaku never existed. No, because the, the thing is for me, it's like, yes, if I'm, if I'm the one that Chelsea say, go find a striker, I'm going to be watching games of every single player on the continent. Um, I just don't think with me personally, I always like to prioritize what you can do on the ball. In attack, obviously, it's um goals are a prerequisite. So first, it's pre- uh, goals, and the second for me prerequisite, you've got to be a baller. And with Lukaku, um, that's not to say that he doesn't add anything to the ball. Like he might dribble when people start tweeting me, oh, who oh, you said he's not a baller? That's not what it is. I just feel like there's certain players that operate on a certain wavelength. I think Freeman alluded to it earlier in the in the podcast that like he wanted more of a baller type player, and I wanted that too because. When it comes down to it, we just came off the back of Eden Hazard spending most of his time here without elite attackers to combine with. And what I kind of appreciated, even if the execution was off off last season, was at least they dared to go and try to sign. In fact, I think Lampard copped out because really and truly everyone was like, oh, buy Sancho. He's like, no, there's too much money, etc. Then we buy it on two players. But um, yeah, I I think sometimes you could just see an elite baller. And I think elite ballers connect with each other. And I think Kai's that way. And I don't think Lukaku, Werner, Mount in attack, I don't think they've got, they, they operate on that kind of higher level of connection and, and ballerism. And to be fair, even the Haaland that everybody's gassing about, he was even my, like, like he's good as well. But personally, it's not my personal preference. So that's not to say I don't think Lukaku can do well here. It just wouldn't be my choice. And I'm not, list, I'm not overly gassed about Lukaku being here. In fact, I like Lukaku being here more for the story, more for who he is, more for, do you know what I'm saying, 
Um, yeah, just all of that kind of stuff, all the propaganda they put on Chelsea account. I'm more here for that. And obviously, I want him to do well, so I want him to net. But I'm not necessarily overly gassed when people try to say, oh, yeah, he's one of the best, he's one of the best. Not, not for me. Premium, you've been giving Lukaku a lot of love since the pod started. Um, any alternatives uh, you'd suggest if, say, Lukaku wasn't available um, and Inter didn't go bankrupt, basically, um, or all but bankrupt? Would you do you have any? Would you have had any alternatives in mind? I don't. I don't think there are any feasible alternatives, to be honest. Because the alternatives were Kane, who was never going to, were never going to sell to to us, or Haaland. And that's not likely to happen because of the, the complications with, with the deal. Like any other alternatives, like a fancy alternative, like Mbappe and two hundred million, but we've just seen two hundred million get rejected. So I don't think um, I don't think that was the only alter- like those two were the only alternatives. Obviously, Vlahovic was on the market. That's someone you could take a punt on. That's not necessarily that he's the guy, but it's just like this. I think people zoom in too much on oh, it's only these three because those are the names that keep on being pumped around. Now, the reason why I don't argue it too much is because Tuchel is shaping the squad. Similarly, when Lampard does it or whatever manager does it, Tuchel clearly went out to try and get a big, strong guy. Now, I don't necessarily want a big, strong guy, but that's what Tuchel wanted. So it's, I'm not here saying, you know what, Tuchel, don't do that. Tuchel has to do what he thinks will work. And he wanted that big, strong guy. I don't necessarily think we need the big, strong guy. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's the reason why we hit, heard the names Haaland, Lukaku, Kane, Lewandowski, because he was looking for that type. And I was just, for me, it's like, nah, first and foremost, I prioritise, okay, cool, scoring goals and then also being um, on that wavelength. I just need to see our attack combined. We're already seeing it this season, already in the Arsenal game. Do you know what I'm saying? If it was just, I had a little bit more finesse, and I think if people had a little bit more vision, then we can kill teams. And I don't think um, I think Olin Kai up on that level of, of having that, you know, like Freeman, you hear what I'm saying, right? Don't leave me out of that. You hear what I'm saying. I feel like you're asking for too much already. Like game one, you expect them to all. No, I'm not, I'm not asking. I'm not talking about game one. I'm just talking, forget about the, the games you played this season. At the beginning of the pod, what did you say? You said that Lukaku wasn't your first choice. And why did you say that? Because you was looking for something else, different, something different stylistically, right? Yeah, but like that, that stylistic issue isn't like uh, necessarily a ball. It's just uh, someone who's create the creator. Like right. if you take certain players out of the team and add creative players in the team, you have a better team. <laughs> certain players. All right, Timson, you're gonna have to move on because we'll dwell too much on this. What I will say about this is, like you said at the beginning of the pod, Lukaku um, does create chances. I think similar like Werner. Werner likes going out of the wing and then kind of put it into the box, and Lukaku can create chances too. So. Look, he's here now, so all of this alternative, I don't really care or want to get into it because right now he's the striker in it, so let it roll. But for me, it's like I'm still looking at attack thinking I don't think it's an A1 attack. And I'm not, I'm not, right, and I'm not just putting out on Mount. I am. Right, we'll, I just want to put out there. We'll leave it there, guys. We'll leave it there, guys, but um, I will add just um, as an advocate of the big man community um, of centre forwards, um, a good target man can transform a team. Not saying um, 
he like he changes the he he changes Chelsea completely. But um, yeah, it's clearly who Tuchel had in mind. So we'll see what happens, um, and we'll see what dimensions he gives to the squad as the season progresses. Um, all right, cool. So let's move on to kind of um, my next point in the departures list. Um, which departure were you least pleased about? For me, obviously, sentimentally, Kurt Zuma leaving seven and a half years at the club. Always got love for, for Kurt Happy Zuma, always smiling. Um, he's legendary, him and Rudiger busting, cutting up shapes when we win trophies, which seems to be quite often. Um, that seeing him go was quite sad, but um, also Tino Andrin, um on loan, but obviously for me, it, it, I'm just kind of, I'll just resign myself to him being going on a permanent um, as, at the earliest possibility for locomotive because obviously I know he's a talent. The club knows he's a talent, um, and just and I'm I'm a bit confused as to why kind of um, the destination and the fact that it's a permanent after he recently signed a new deal. Um, Freemium, what do you think um, in terms of what's your least favorite transfer departure um, this this um, this winter? Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to go with Livermore only because like he was my my favorite youth player in the, in the youth team, and just because I could just see that he could he's a useful player to have in the team, and and he's already doing so well at Southampton. So it's like, yeah, that could have that that could have that could have gone a different way. That's definitely the the one that I feel like ah oh, we should have we should have done better with because yeah he could he fill so many slots in the team and you can play him anywhere down the left anywhere down the right and and he's comfortable. So he, it had just been useful to have him in the team because if your left if your left wing back gets injured, you throw him in. If your right wing back gets injured, you throw him in. If you're down, uh, if you're up by like two goals, you can throw him in on, in the attack. You throw him anywhere, man. Like he's just so versatile and he's so good good at football that it's just a shame to see him falling out for Southampton. Although I do expect him to return eventually. So yeah, that, that, one, that one pay me. Yeah. Mm. All right, Dan, same question to you. Um, obviously, mm. um, yeah, the transfer, that kind of, the departure that kind of um, irks you the most. I don't think, I don't think any did, you know, when it, when it comes down to it. Um, yeah, I, I think we could have used with Liverman 2 but to be fair, with these type of things, I'm just happy that he came in the Premier League. Do you know what I'm saying? Like even Chalabar, who had a good pre-season, then you see him on the bench. I don't like to see that. That irks me more than these players going. I just like seeing as much talent on the pitch as possible. So I think Livermore going for me so far is a net positive. Obviously, I still support Chelsea, and the fact there's a buyback there, I'd love to see him doing that at Chelsea. But rather see him on the pitch than um, you know what I'm saying, just making up numbers on the bench. Um, so I'm not I'm not too disappointed by that. Um, a lot of I don't know if this is no, but obviously premium like you was you was like way ahead of the time. Like you went to Italy from from England, and, and now I'm seeing a lot of my brothers on the continent seeing Tammy smash it up. Uh, uh, hey, I've still got stocks in Bachawai, so I'm happy that hopefully he gets regular football for the first time in God knows however long. Um, so I'm happy to see his loan. I'm happy to just see a lot of people get out. I'm on the get out thing. This is about get out. Do you know that picture with the guy? Like I, some of these guys are stuck. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I was so happy to see a lot of them get
get out but then there's some people now that are still stuck in and i wanted to get out so you're gonna ask me what irked me i don't i can't remember any that irked me i, I think i'm happy about most of the people leaving because unless you're going to be playing then and i and i rate you then i want i want to see you go yeah, let's talk about um, Mitchie because you said you still got um, hope in Mitchie. I've sold all of my stocks in Mitchie um, from when Crystal Palace obviously prioritised him over Conor Gallagher last season, and he was he got his performances weren't weren't good enough to the point where they had to bring Benteke back into the fold. And then they go and instead of looking at getting him on loan again, they go and drop. 15 million on a guy from from Scotland. Mind you, I love French Eddie, so... Um. Yeah, with me, with me, like, obviously, this is the second time they've brought him back, so um, they had him the first time, so they bought him back. It didn't work out the second time around, but I'm never one to judge off of, like, even the, the second, like, the first loan, he got enough minutes, and then he couldn't, I think he started to have to play Benteke. This is what Hodgson said anyway. He said he had to play Benteke because um, they couldn't sign Michi. Um, so that's the reason why he started well. And then all of a sudden, even though he was scoring, he stopped playing them. And then second time around, for whatever reason, he didn't get regular starts. And again, I'm not like, I, like, I don't, I don't judge players off of other people's decisions. Do you know what I'm saying? As much as I see Twitter, I'm on Twitter and everyone's complaining about a manager's decision. So regardless of kind of what happens, and this is, all of the patterns everyone's saying, oh, it's the third manager, it's the fifth manager. I, I honestly don't care. I don't necessarily outsource my opinion. I kind of look at what I see. And like, even in pre-season, um, from what I saw when he came on in that Arsenal match, I saw him, good footwork and the amount of shots that, the, look, the Arsenal game that we played, the second game of the season, whatever it was, Lukaku, one thing I was really happy about is that he got a lot of shots off. And Mount gets a lot of sh shots off, but he doesn't score enough. Um, and I think with Mount, he needs to score more. But I love playing. Mm. Let me finish. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you like that? <laughs> I love players that shoot loads as long as they can back up with goals. And I think with Mishy, um, he he knows how to work himself a shot. And so um, I'm. I think with Mishy, like again, I think he renewed his contract. Um, so I definitely think he's he's more about getting the bag whilst he can. But I feel like. Um, if he was a bit, you know, more ambitious, um, then he could get an even bigger bag because, yeah, I, I, I think that um, as long as he plays regular football, then he'll smash. So I hope, because obviously, I, I don't know the last time he got regular football, but generally when he starts, he, he nets. So it's not even that um, I want Michy to come back and start the Chelsea thing. I just, I, I like him as a player. And so I want him to do well. And that's why I hope um, it works out for him in, in Turkey. Premium, you got an opinion on the batsman? Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one because he was still he's still in and around the national team. So clearly the stocks can't be that low, but he just doesn't seem to really have much luck in terms of in terms of you know a team's work, the teams he goes to working out for him. I'm not really convinced that you know this loan is really gonna be the the, the thing that changes his career just because of the quality of the league. Mm. But it's a, it's a strange one because clearly like his national manager believes in him. Do you know what like a, a lot. Yeah, so Thierry Henry, obviously, he's helping out Roberto Martinez, and Thierry Henry himself, he's like, it's not like Michi doesn't have negatives. I think a lot of the time with the podcast and stuff like that, people like to focus on 
they don't necessarily listen to like nuance so they just focus on oh yeah you love Messi and it's this whole deluded thing every player has negatives but again like for some reason at Chelsea it's one of those things where do you know what I'm saying Werner can go a whole season and score six goals and then if 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 someone says oh yeah I like I rate Werner it's okay but with Michi, it's like no you can't rate him but Michi 100% outscores Werner with all the starts that he gets do you know what I'm saying and it's not like Werner has a good touch it's not like Werner always stays on side do you know what I'm saying so like for me it's just double standards personally and um yeah like even like the whole kind of going to Turkey thing again for me I just want to see, I just want him to get regular football really and truly because like with a lot of these players whether it's Callum Hubs I'm sure we'll get onto him um, the reason why there's so many question marks and there's so many, oh, why do you still rate him? I think a lot of us just, it's difficult when the player's not getting on the pitch regularly because we believe that when they do get on the pitch regularly, they'll show what they can do. And as long as they don't get on the pitch regularly, then it's always going to be an open conversation. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, completely agree. Um, some people might look at the trajectory in terms of the loans he got when he, like, Borussia Dortmund, Valencia, and so on. And then you'll look at the quality of the clubs that he's gone to recently on loan. And you might say, um, yeah, he's, it's, uh, the quality's dropped off, but uh, he's still around the national team, as you said. And um, to be honest, he's still got the qualities of, of a really good finisher. But and, and do you know what it my is? personal... Yeah, just quickly on, 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 on that. That doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like with, with the brainer, I remember... Um, when he was coming through, obviously, like what happens is as your name builds and as people rate you, the big clubs come in for you. And then after Chelsea, like really and truly, and it was the same with Salah, like after Chelsea, like the level of talent that a KDB is shouldn't have been going to, was it Wolfsburg, whatever it is. It's just necessarily where, where your name is at. So it makes sense when that's why he's the second striker for Chelsea that he can secure good loans. But obviously, as each kind of loan isn't kind of working out, then, you know, he's not necessarily getting on the pitch. And I do think with Batshuayi as well, like I said, I don't necessarily think he's that ambitious. Um, and so, like, he seems to be just getting the bag. That's probably why he's renewing and renewing with Chelsea. So, that all I'm looking forward to this season is, hopefully, this is a loan that he can get regular starts in. Um, because I think that's, that's kind of what he needs. And I don't know who his agent is. And I, look, this is going to be a theme across the podcast as we go across the players. But I just think that... Um, the agents should be doing better with a lot of these players too. So to be fair, he's on the same trajectory as um, Alexander Sorlot. So Sorlot was a player that Crystal Palace signed. I thought he looked good, big man, left foot, um, worked hard. But yeah, he wasn't in favour of Palace. He goes on loan to Turkey, does an absolute madness. I think he scored between 25-30 goals. And now he's um, playing in the Bundesliga for... Leipzig, so it could very much be be a similar situation for Michi, um, like after obviously a pause spell with Palace. But um, we'll move on um, and we'll leave it there with Michi. Uh, obviously, we wish him all the best uh, in the upcoming season on loan. Uh, now we move on to the dead zone, um, as I called it. Um, we'll start off with obviously the three big names that I mentioned at the start of the dead zone. Um, just for reference, I'm talking about Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ross Barkley, Malang Sarr, Lewis Baker, Charlie Masonda, as those players in the dead zone kind of floating about no loan destination, so to speak, of just yet. Um, and no kind of clear indication that they have an opportunity in their club, uh, particularly the first two. 
So we'll start off with obviously Callum Hudson the Doy. Um, and we had a we we've had like um, questions about it from uh, Discord members. Um, does Callum Hudson Odoi staying at the club change anything about his current situation? Um, and what what I mean by that is they they they've made a conscious a conscious effort to to reject an opportunity for him to go on loan play minutes. Does that change anything for you, Dan? Change anything in what respect? Um, the minutes, his current situation in terms of this might equal more minutes, this might equal more opportunities in his favoured attacking role. No. Um, does it change anything for you or is it just, yeah? It's poor. So again, like with Callum Hudson, again, it's like when you don't get on the pitch regularly, um, people can say that, oh, he's not, he doesn't cut the mustard or whatever. And that um, at the beginning, he was supposed to be a wonder kid. And now, you know what I'm saying? Can he, he, he can't even secure a low. Do you know what I'm saying? All of this bullshit, uh, I think that people do when players don't get on the pitch and all of a sudden, they're poor, they're poor, they're poor. Um, so I think for me, and I've been saying it for a couple of seasons now, and it's boring for me, but I think that he should have got, gone out on loan even last season under Lampard, forced to loan. Um, this season, the fact that they waited last minute, um, I think what Tuchel's just done is that he said it's, it's too late. We've built um, the squad with you in mind as being a backup, as being a body. And obviously, and that, he wanted to go like, was it two days before the window or whatever? I've heard that it might be initiated. So at this point, Tuchel's like, you know, I've planned a squad with you to be a backup. And so you're going to stick around and be a backup. Um, we saw that interview that Tuchel done at like 10 o'clock and he almost kind of hinted he's going to have to suffer now. It was like, I wanted him to go to under-21s. I think Hudson Adoy, this is my assumption, but one of the reasons why he didn't go to under-21s is because he was going to try and push through this move. But Tuchel kind of looked down in it and it, he said um, he's gonna probably going to have to suffer the consequences. So I think it's a thing where he'll go on loan in January. I don't think it's going to change anything from his perspective. Maybe with an injury, maybe he gets a chance in the team or whatever, because I don't think Tuchel is someone to shut the door. But I think he's also someone that um, isn't afraid to... Do you know, like Tammy, he completely shut him out. And I appreciated the Tammy shutting out just because it wasn't wishy-washy. I think with Lampard, one minute a player was gulagged, the next minute they were in again. Do you know what I'm saying? At least Tammy, Tuchel made his decision and then sold him. So now the player is elsewhere doing well. Now with this hudson Doy thing, I don't think, I think if hudson Doy's camp went to Tuchel earlier on, because don't forget, we've had, they didn't go to the, the Euros. So hudson Doy's camp could have arranged his future there after two seasons of bit part of football, should have just taken it into their control rather than waiting so long. We saw Billy Gilmore went out quick. And Billy Gilmore was the, one of the only other players that I was saying they haven't had a season of regular football because they hadn't had loans. Now it's just Hudson Odoi. And it was on their camp to take the ball by the horns and sort this for him. But obviously this whole, I want to come back and impress, I, mean, I want to come back and impress. That's what Ruben loftus sheet done. And now like you call it the dead zone or whatever they called it in, get out the underworld or whatever now they're stuck in this and i i blame i don't necessarily blame Tuchel as much like to be fair he could have done it he could have done him a solid do you know what i'm saying and just let him go because i don't envisage him needing him do you know what i'm saying um but at the same time for the camp to come like just before the window after you've planned the squad around that then i get why we saying do you know it, it's too late fellas it's too late i, I don't yes. i'm not sure if, if i is in the dead zone as much as as, as much as the other players because he he's on the bench but he's going to come off the bench in in certain games he's going to get 
minutes. Obviously, the chances that he's going to get is going to be like hero minutes where it's like, hey, do something amazing and you might have a chance of playing the next game. It's just, but he's going to get chances. It's just a reflection of if we take last season, uh, we call it chances, we'll call it Mishy minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, from last season, now there's more players in that Tuchel as it actually wants. Do you know what I'm saying? So, last season, um, after he got dropped from the wingback thing, it was difficult. And now he's got newer players. So, I just don't know. Look, I just... Um, in regards to Callum being in the dead zone, um, what is he, sixth choice attack attacker, third choice wing back um you're gonna get garbage time minutes as they say um, in basketball that's just garbage time minutes that's not significant that's not going to aid his development which Tuchel said uh minutes would do at this point in time um it's making the decision to obviously Dan's suggested that obviously turning down the England under 21 call up was um to try and potentially force through this Dortmund move maybe um but now it's minutes that he could have benefited from and it could have done his confidence the world of good playing in his ideal position maybe he gets a couple of assists plays well um and even just a reminder like yo I know you've got me lower down in the pecking order but here's what I can do for you with Tuchel um it's sad for Callum because instead of um Tuchel just kind of going look you you're very it's not unless there's like um a, a string of injuries uh there's not really going to be many minutes available for you so um I could easily interchange um Hudson Ladoy going to Germany and the minutes that the, the the sparse minutes you would get um would be given to maybe someone like a Harvey Vell from the academy um who would absolutely love those minutes in comparison to Hudson Ladoy who's kind of like is this all I'm getting um, but obviously Tuchel's thinking of himself and he's thinking of the squad's ability to win things and thinks, now I'll go with the England under-21 international who's um, very experienced in comparison to um, giving those small minutes to um, a youth player who'd appreciate them more. So, um, yeah. So to answer the question, I don't think anything's changed. I just think the managers just picked the collective over the individual players' um, needs and development at this point in uh, at, at this point in time, any objections with that statement? Um, I, think, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's also about like the COVID situation because things can change very quickly this season. So the manager has to can't just like have a, a small team like they might want to have because if COVID all of a sudden takes out five players, as we've seen happen with Arsenal, like you need to have a team that is still capable of winning, and Arsenal don't have that team. Whereas in our team, if you take out five players at random, you can still field a team that could probably win just, a good number of games. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's I always feel like sometimes you can. One of the reasons why Tuchel said at the beginning of the um, summer, we're not going to splash out again because you can ruin a squad harmony. Squad harmony is important too, and you can ruin squad harmony by bringing in too many people and destabilizing it. I also think you can ruin squad harmony. Do you know what I'm saying? Where it feels like some players aren't going to get in regardless. And Tuchel seems like someone that wants to rely on players. Like he says, he keeps on going on about trying to get five substitute, um, five subs in because he wants to use people to keep them happy. 
So like even that, I don't like it because it's like, okay, cool, you really and truly, your kind of solution is just to give these people token minutes, but really and truly, do you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily you see, um, I don't think he sees Hudson Doy starting this season as a regular. I don't think he sees it. I think he's open, like he'll be open to, to changing his mind. So if Hudson Doy did something to change his mind, but at this moment, I don't think he sees him as a star. And I think he wants to keep him around for squad utility purposes, um, which is tough for, for Callum because his career, again, he needs, like we talked about with other players, like really and truly, until, un unless you get on the pitch regularly, people are going to start talking shit. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's going to be another, at least another until January. I feel like it's going to be another um, thing where people talk, start talking about, oh, he's a per nighty guy, and et cetera, et cetera, and he can't finish, et cetera. And it's because he doesn't control his narrative. Very well said. Very well said. Um, I can't help but think Callum probably should have bounced when Bayern Munich showed their initial interest. Um, and if you need any further justification, you look at um, like the hype that followed Callum in the academy and as he came out of the academy as someone who can break into the first team, someone who could um, kind of be that guy, that star from the academy uh, compared to a Jamal Musiala who is highly rated. But now you look at um, like their standard in the professional game at senior level and Callum stagnated um, and Jamal Musiala has gone to the European Championships um, this, sum this, this summer just gone. So, um, yeah, I think he made the wrong move and uh, just, he probably, he just need, he's just desperately in need of minutes. Again, again um, just quickly on this for me, it's like I'm never too concerned about what people think in terms of, oh, you know, he's on a downward turn. Like really and truly for me, that doesn't matter. It doesn't change who Callum is. Um, it's up to him to get into a situation where he can play. Do you know what I'm saying? So that he can kind of own his narrative. And the reason why I mentioned like people thinking, oh, like it's, it's wasted or whatever, he's still young. And if you look at it, Sancho, obviously it's really early in the season, but Sancho had three seasons of playing regular football in Germany. He's come back to the Premier League. It's not like he's taken off straight away, despite the three seasons of regular football. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like Kai took off straight away when he came to the Premier League, despite that. So a Hudson Odoi, who's been competitive at Chelsea for a while if he got that loan he didn't get the loan but if he went to Dortmund at loan he would have been more prepared to take on the Premier League than Sancho is do you know what I'm saying when off, off the back of coming back from um the Bundesliga so um with, with husband's eye all of this you know like he's like forget what the people say I never really care about all this perception of oh this is a failure etc etc really for, for me and it's not happened now, but I hope his camp start the talks for January right now. He needs to get out. Premium, anything to add? I agree, man. I agree. I feel like you know he took them. He took the the big deal, thinking that he was going to get opportunities. Those opportunities that he should have been getting were given to other people. Those other people are now way ahead of him in the, in the pecking line, and there's mm -hmm. nothing he can do about it. Yeah. Just for the economics, like the club wants to keep Pulisic's value high. The club now Mount is is solidified in the team. Like there's there's no Werner as well. Like you, they're not gonna play him over Werner because he's gonna play better because Werner has value and resell. Cho does not have value or resell because for them he's like he's free. He's a net negative. He, 
whatever they sell him for is profit. Whereas one, they're trying to recoup the, the money that they've lost. So and the only way you could do that is by play by playing him. So he's he's never gonna he's not really gonna have a fair shot over those players. And yeah, there's there's not there's not really much more he can say. He's seen everyone else go out, go off on loan or leave and and get regular football and have their career take off. He's really it's really he's at the age where he has to play him. And if he doesn't have a manager that trusts him like Lampard trusted Mount, then he really doesn't have anything to stay for. He's got to find that manager somewhere somewhere. And that, that's what he needs. Nice. Um, we'll move on to the second player, probably an even more of a perilous situation, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Now, this is a two-part question. Um, I'll go to you first, Premium, but where does he go from here in terms of next steps? Does he stay and fight for a place? Does he like start negotiations to move on loan? Does he look at the windows, the transfer windows that are currently open to get out as quickly as possible. Um, that's part one of the question. Part two being, if you were Ruben Loftus Cheek, what would you do? Boy, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. I don't think staying and fighting makes any sense whatsoever for him because he's not going to get in the team if he stays and fights regardless. Like, who's he going to fight? He's not going to fight in. He's not going to fight off uh, Kovacic. He's not going to fight off Kante. He's definitely he's definitely not going to fight off Jorginho. And Saul is definitely coming in ahead of him. That, that he just doesn't stand any chance in that battle. So, and he, I don't really think that he's he's been played that Tuchel has an idea of playing him in the in the attack. I don't think he should either. So if I was him, I'll be so yeah, he needs to look for a loan. And but if I was him, if I was him, I might stay just because I don't know how long he has left in this deal or how much should they pay him. But his next paycheck might might not look the same. So uh, if I ask him, I might stay just because just for the financial reasons. But if I, but he should be looking to uh, to at least go on loan. If not, yeah, he has he has to look on loan and needs to be thinking, well, where where should I go from here? Because it doesn't look, it doesn't look good from him at all. Dan, what are you saying on the matter? So two part question. Um, I think both are going to be the same answer anyway. So for me. It's actually tricky with Ruben off the sheet just because I think he does better in possession-based teams. And um, under Lampard, like, I'd say go straight away. But under Tuchel, um, even in pre-season, I kind of like, especially when he played deeper, because I think with something with Loftus-Cheek, a lot of people want him to attack. Um, but he just gets lost there. Like, he can't keep up, let's be honest. For me, I feel like, the game moves fast there. And do you know when you talk about the register, you know, that person that's tempo, it's more about the ball moving fast rather than the player moving fast, round about that type of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're just told to stay, you don't necessarily have to be up and down as much. And so as much as I know people kind of see now those kind of pivot roles as you've got to be high energies, et cetera, et cetera. I just feel like different people can bring different things to the role. I think uh, Tuchel sees something in RLC in terms of being useful, just like he sees something in Hudson in terms of being useful, but he's not convinced to rely on these both these players. That's where I feel like he's put them in this useful box, just the, the just in case, just the break, break the glass just in case I need. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and that's a dangerous place to be for a player like Ruben who hasn't really played that much. That like you compare Ruben Loftus-Cheek to Barkley, who I think a lot of, 
Chelsea fans, I know like he didn't come from an academy, but you know, it's not a crime not to come from an academy. And this kind of whole two-tier system you you kind of create where it's okay to slag off and be rude to players that didn't come from the academy. But if you say the littlest thing against someone from the academy, um, especially like the, the, the you know the promoted ones, then it's you know blue murder. I hate it. And I think with Barkley lost his cheek, both of them have had injuries, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I remember when Barkley was lost his cheek's age, because I think he's like two years older than Loftus Cheek. Everyone's like, you know, what has Barkley done? And et cetera, et cetera. And Loftus Cheek has done not even a quarter of what Barkley's done. Do you know what I'm saying? So then it is, do I spend another season of fighting because he's done that his whole, most of his career, staying back and being like sixth choice or whatever at Chelsea? Or do I spend another season on loan, which is the other half of his career, which some have worked out, some hasn't worked out. And usually for Chelsea player it's like academy player it's like just making a decision to leave so do you know what I'm saying you don't have that um almost like that safety net of the, the I can go back to Chelsea and make it and you can just you know fight for your own career um that's something that it's too late now because the transfer windows closed so for, for me if I was lost as cheap I would stick around just because I think that um Tuchel is someone that pushes people and one thing about lost as cheap yeah he might be injury prone but his mentality is there. He, I think he's one of them people that listens to Tim Robbins and all of them and reads books about motivation and mental strength. And um, whenever I see him not running, I don't think it's a mental type thing because I think he's actually pretty strong mentally, but I think it's a physical type thing. And I think Tuchel um, will be determined to get him to use his body to the best of his ability, the same way kind of like Sari was. And I do feel like he's good in um, a possession team and I think Tuchel plays a possession team. So I'll be happy to see him stick around um, and then hopefully have a season under two. But it wouldn't be good for his catalogue. And a, a lot of people talk shit about Loftus-Cheek and all them Instagram jokes again because he doesn't get on the pitch so he can't really, do you know what I'm saying, control his narrative, which is the theme. But I do think that he can learn a lot. It's just that at this point in his career, it shouldn't be learning behind the scenes. It should be, you know, showing your, your talent on the pitch. So, yeah, um, what I do is because the options right now are poor because he can't go to any of the top five European clubs or top six European clubs. A lot of them are poor. Um, I, I'd question the point of going out to like a, a league that isn't top if he wants to make it at Chelsea because you can do well in what those leagues are, but you're not going to come back into a Chelsea team. And if your aim is to, you know, do well at Chelsea, now you can't go to another top league. It's probably better for him to stick around. I'll put, um, I'll answer this as well for me. Um, I don't see how he can stick around because how can you, it's hard, I, I don't see how you can stick around when the club has spent a reported four and a half million pounds to bring in another midfielder on loan um, instead of looking at you um, for that solution. That centre midfield um, pairing, that double pivot that Tuchel likes, um, whether it's Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante, it's very much giving off the vibes of um, keep it nice and simple um, in that middle um, and being compact, which kind of um, Ruben has similar kind of weaknesses to Paul Pogba in, in terms of his positioning. Um, but obviously he has strengths as well, his ability to drive on the ball and he is technically proficient, but um, 
probably not to the satisfaction of Tuchel to trust him in a double pivot, especially not um, in big games. So, yeah, with that fourth midfielder on loan coming in and automatically leapfrogging you in the pecking order is very problematic. The second problem I think Ruben has is, um, other than kind of whispers of Roma with an option to buy, there wasn't really any solid links with him in any club. Um, Obviously, you can't go to any of the big clubs because your club, the last club he played for is now playing in the championship after being relegated. So um, his stock's at an all-time low, coupled with the fact that his wages would put him in the top three of any club that um, would probably go for him. Um, that's realistic at this point in time, makes him, um, makes him an issue to deal with given the fact that he's now too old to be classed as uh, a potential a potential guy, a potential um, talent who could um, who, who could develop into something as well as a um, he's, he's not been consistent enough to be kind of like someone that most clubs see immediately as someone who could contribute now. Even Scott Parker had these reservations and kind of critiques of Ruben Loftus cheek. So it's quite worrying for Ruben at this point in time, but we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays if, out. If Bakayoko could um, get a loan to AC Milan, I feel like he still has hope, man. He still he, has hope. He was, he was linked with Lazio um, strongly because Sari was there. Um, oh, yeah, 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 the Lazio. So, like, let's say, um, let's say interest from, obviously, Italy was probably where it was the strongest. Um, yeah, there wasn't really much, I didn't really hear much about England or anywhere else. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, think, Lazio, obviously. I, I think all of that stuff, that's going to happen. Do you know what I'm saying? So he goes on loan to Fulham and it's a, it's difficult. It's a difficult play when you go to a, a smaller club because he's someone that works well in possession team. Fulham doesn't necessarily have possession. So like their interest is going to go down, but it doesn't change who he is as a player. So if he did secure a loan, which he should have done, again, like he wanted to fight for his place. I feel like whoever these guys' agents are, just tell them, listen, you, if you go and smash elsewhere, you're more likely to get a chance. And what happens is, even if you don't get your chance at Chelsea, there's going to be other clubs that are interested in you. Like, when it comes down to it, they wasted pre-season in Preston Tuchel, and Tuchel is ruthless. Yeah, I had... Um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd tweeted... Um, if I was Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I'd probably be looking at um, going to Maurizio Sarri because that's where he played his best Chelsea football. Um, he'd be playing in a 4-3-3 um, and I think that suits him like um, a left-sided, um, a left or right-sided number eight, probably on the left so he can cut inside into, onto his right foot. Um, I just thought it made sense to go to Sari. Then, um, obviously, I've seen how Tammy started, and um, I'm getting the feeling that Mourinho might be different um, when he's in when he's managing in Italy. But uh, that still remains to be seen. We need more kind of um, data to prove that uh, with Roma. But Tammy's started off well, and I know Jose's partial to his um, PMP. Um, and Ruben's technical ability makes him an even more um, enticing player. So that would have been interesting, but we'll see what happens um, in regards to Ruben. A player in, um, I feel like we're just moving down in terms of hopeless situation right now is Ross Barkley. Now, obviously we know about 
Um, the last time I saw Ross Barkley, he was being he was drunk and he was being carried into a black cab um, somewhere in London. Um, is he in danger of becoming another Wilshire or Drinkwater in terms of um, they have ability, but discipline and um, other issues have just um, made them a bit of a no-go um, situation? Freemium, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know about um, I don't know about another Wilshire, but and I don't feel like I don't know. I don't know that his reputation that much that well, so I'm not sure that he has that type of reputation. I don't know, but I feel like somebody would still get him just because he he's not he. I don't know how. Like yeah, I'm not sure. Yes, because he is slightly injury prone, but he's not like career ending injuries, and he has talent. He can still make it at a good level. The question is, but then the question is like, I don't know if like how well people know about his off-field antics. Cause you know, I know about some players off-field antics and they still play top level football. Mm. So I'm not sure how much that how much weight that carries. Because also a lot of these managers, I'm not sure all these managers are the best behaved men in the world, you know. So I'm not I'm not convinced that I'm sure like Sean Dyche will take it. Yeah if you, if you could. You know what it is for me? It's like I see like Barkley's been an uber-fit guy, but as he ages, it's kind of like Rooney. No one can question Rooney loving the game. Rooney loved the game, but Rooney expired way before. Like, Rooney's a manager now. Cristiano Ronaldo is still playing. Cristiano Ronaldo is older than Wayne Rooney. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's like a Ricky Hatton thing. It's like, I don't know. It's like, just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. It's a short career. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like what I see him getting to that point where, like, even when he's running, he looks alcohol heavy. So he he even might be fit, but like, you know, when you drink too much alcohol, for some reason, people's faces they just look wider. Everything just looks wide. It's the alcohol weight. And it's like, yeah, he just doesn't even look like he moves like freely anymore. Like he doesn't, yeah, he looks like he carries weight. Um, but to be fair, even in pre-season, he came on and he was decent. So it's like obviously he's you can still get a good tune out of him, but at the same time, like, yeah, like the, the stumbling out, whether it's people targeting and, and taking the pictures and loads of players are doing it and they're just targeting Barkley or it's actually Barkley has a, an issue, like he gets levered, absolutely levered. And, you know, some people are built like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, to just get levered. And I know that historically that's what English players used to do, but I, I can't, it's not professional. It's not professional at all. Um, yeah, I think that's what's killing Ross Barkley. Um, it's obviously people get into people have off-field issues, um, but it's it's how it's how he seems to be always getting caught doing stuff. Um, what was it? Was it him and Deli Ali who was, who were at like a hotel reception or casino reception, um, having a drunken row with with staff? Then that vi- if you haven't seen it, you can search it on Twitter or YouTube. Um, Ross Barkley just being he was literally out cold, like it was like dragging a dead body like into the back of this black minicab, and that's so damning for um, his reputation as um, what's effectively a role model in football, and then a manager or prospective manager looking to take him on loan, thinking can he add value? He's decent in ability. They see that and they just think wow. So um, yeah, I think being caught on camera in such a comp- such compromising positions doesn't help him at all. Yeah, and I think I think the Aston Villa loan it started off well, then he got injured and he's not playing football anymore. So someone that we see even when he's playing football, 
he's going out and doing that. I feel like that was the worst thing to happen to him because obviously um, away from football, then you know what I'm saying. He probably the vice is probably got to, but um, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one for Barkley. I think because going alone again, he's on quite big wages, and I wouldn't I wouldn't even take risk of, like on him. I wouldn't. Do you know what I'm saying? Because um, he just doesn't seem professional. When it comes down to it. You're gonna to have to pay a big loan fee. You need it from the season, off of the back of a season where he started off at Aston Villa, and then everything went to shit after the injury. Um, I, I can see why people don't take a, a risk on him, but again, I don't know how long he's got left in his contract. He just needs to pan up off the field first, and then go away on a free somewhere, and you know, try to revive his career. Yeah, facts. Um... Let's see, let's see what happens with those three guys that we mentioned in the dead zone. We won't speak on uh, the likes of Saar, Baker or Masonda at this point in time. Um, we'll move on to the new boy. Um, I don't really know loads about Saar, um, but what do, you, what do you think he could potentially bring to the squad that um, he, the, the squad were potentially missing or didn't have? Um, what do you think, Freemium? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a, a La Liga expert, but every time I have watched him, he's been he's been good. So I'm quite happy to have him in the team. I feel like he can kind of play any any of the roles in our team. Maybe not the Kante role because there's nobody that can play that. But he can definitely do the Kovacic and Jorginho role. The question is whether he can do it at the level of Kovacic and Jorginho. I personally believe he probably could. Uh, he might he might even be a slight upgrade, but uh, that remains to be seen. Um, I guess I guess it's easy to say that when you only watch like Champions League Atletico, when you don't watch them uh, week in week out. But um, yeah, I'm happy with the with the with the loan. I don't feel like he's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna turn up permanent because the wages that he's on one, the fact that we have to pay a fee for him as well. It's not a huge fee, but fee plus big wages means first team. So unless he can really force out or force onto the bench or split minutes like heavily, take minutes heavily off Kovacic or Jorginho, I really don't think he's going to ever going to become permanent hitch because it doesn't make sense to have someone upwards of 200k sitting on the bench. But hopefully this yeah. season we can use him well and, uh, and yeah, and he'll be able to provide some quality in the midfield. I hear that. Um, Dan, in regards to um, his impact... Do you think he moves the dial in regards to our title challenge? Because obviously Tuchel clearly saw something that um, he didn't have in at his disposal that he's now got with Sal in midfield. So do you think he he, he moves the uh, dial in regards to our challenge for the title? I don't I don't I don't think he explained the reasoning for me to assume that he brought him in because he he's gonna bring something different. Even like even like obviously all players are different. Um, and he may have something different. I'm not an expert on Saul either. But um, obviously, he's been, from the beginning, he said that he wants four midfielders for those positions. And he hinted that, even with Loftus-Cheek here, that he's got three that he trusts. And so Saul was that fourth one. So I think that he just wanted four that he can trust. I don't necessarily think it's a, oh, we need something different. Um, but it, it might be. Um, he's not Declan Rice, which is a big plus for me. Because... When it comes down to it, I see midfielders as being players that combine. I, I said it in the attack 
um, that combine can combine on a different level um, where it's almost like, you know, what's the word, uh, telepathic or whatever. Um, and I think with Saul, hopefully he's on a level of a Kante, Saul, uh, sorry, Jorginho and a Kovacic so they can combine well. Um, I, it's yet to be seen. I have to see it. It's interesting the type of midfielder he is as well because I know that sure many and Rice was mentioned, but um, apparently he was Tuchel's first choice. And we know that Tuchel loves Kante. We know that Tuchel likes Jorginho and that he really likes Kovacic. And so for me, um, I think that Tuchel kind of likes ballers that think quick. Um, and sure many, I've seen a video of him recently, and, and he, he passes the ball forward quickly. But one thing I think about all of these four is they combine well in midfield. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, whether we buy them or not, I don't know. I don't necessarily care at this point because I don't have no stocks. I'm just interested to get to see how he is. I think one thing not to underestimate, he's coming from La Liga to the Premier League, so he might need an adaption period. As much as people were saying, oh, yeah, he's, um, you know, I know a lot the Jorginho and Kovacic haters, like, oh, if he does well, then he's going to be better than these guys. And it's almost like even after he's won the Champions League, there's still a bit of taste in people's mouths because they didn't like him. So they want to see this guy come and do better. Look, if he comes in and he's better than them, then he should start because, again, it's a meritocracy. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just good to have four um, potentially good recovery. I saw a report saying that he would he was worth 150 million or something like that two years ago. And now we have him on loan, which means we get to assess him and we've got an option to buy him for cheap if it goes well. So for me, this is almost like a, a really, really good business. Do you know what I'm saying? So it can be it can be something where we get a 120 million pound player um, just because, you know, he was used wrongly by Simeone or, you know what I'm saying, he lost his kind of drive there. So yeah, I'm really interested to see what he can do. All right, cool. So um, last point on Sal. Um, at this point in time, he comes in probably a fourth choice midfielder. Um, how often do you expect him to play? Well, I, what I'll say is quickly before I give the mic to Freemium, um, Gilmore barely played as the fourth choice. When we got injuries with Kovacic, then Tuchel wasn't afraid to use him, which was good. But um, that's why it's so interesting with Ruben off the sheet too, because your fifth choice and fourth choice barely gets played. But what, what it is, is I know they're going to try and keep Kante fresh. And whereas I don't think they trusted uh, Gilmore enough to, I think they think there was a bit of a gap. I think now what will happen is Kante will be used less as a way to protect him. And I think with that, I see Saul being used. I think what you'll see is, I think um, there'll be two main ones, probably Kovacic and Kante. I even think Kovacic and Kante. And I think that Saul and Jorginho um, will play enough as well. But I think maybe Kovacic and Kante will play a lot. I see him getting between 15 and 20 games a season, this season, to be honest, because I don't, uh, I don't think um, we're going to be playing Kante against like the bottom half of the table. I don't think Jorginho can play every game of the season. I think that, um, yeah, we might see a lot of games against the small teams and Kante Jorginho games against the, the bigger teams. And then, and then it depends, just depends on how, on how well he settles in because if he settles in well and he looks quality and he can even, you know, as he says, get, get forward and combine well, he can really force, him, force his way into the team. Um, 
I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced. Like he seems to, to really want it, which is obviously is good. It's always good to see because yeah, he he kind of believes that his time with Atletico might be coming to an end. So um, it's kind of, it seems that way anyway. So good luck to him, man. I, I hope he does well. And I do see him getting played. I don't like if the way I see our fourth midfielder not getting played often. It's only because the quality wasn't there, and I don't feel like the drop off in quality is there between our current options and Saul. From what from what I know about him. Yeah, I think he's a more trusted um, fourth choice option. So we'll see how big an impact that has in terms of the minutes we've seen fourth choice midfielders have and if he stays fourth choice. This next part, um, before we finish with um, the listeners' questions, um, it, it's just going to be a couple of statements about the winners and losers of the transfer window. Um, and I'm going to kind of make a statement and say if I think a player is a winner or loser. And um, if you two could just say you agree or disagree and give your reasons as to why. Um, um, does that sound good? Yeah, go, go for it. Cool. All right. So we'll start off um, with the winners and losers. First up, Trevor Chalobah, my guy. Um, obviously, majority shareholder in Chalobah LLC. Um, I'm very much ready to plan my retirement on that, on the stocks, if he continues. Um, as far as, is he a transfer winner or loser? Definitely a winner. Um, he benefits from the Kunde deal collapse and obviously Zuma departing is one less body to compete with. Uh, disagree or agree, Dan? Yeah, I think I think agree. Yeah. Premium. Yeah, big, 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 major agree on that one. Yeah, man. Yeah, cool. Uh, next up, Hudson Adoy, definite loser. Spends the season wasting away as emergency cover. Um, agree or disagree, Freemium? I definitely agree with that one, man. He's got, he's got to be sick because I know I'm sick watching his. The players that are playing over him play. So imagine watching Martin football. This season, Timo Werner was a walking contradiction. Like the minutes that he got and the performances that he put in at times, um, walking because now you look at him as president's like president. Like how come he can? How can he get all those minutes and he drops performances like that? So it makes me sick when play when people say, "Well, Callum hasn't been particularly good." Nobody can give me one performance where Callum was so so bad. Even a game where he got brought on and subbed against Southampton, where it was so so bad that um, it was it, he was worse than any player, any of the performances that you like, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Timo, um, and even Kai when he was recovering from COVID, had dropped over the season. Dan, you got um, any comments in regards to Hudson Ndoye? No, what I've got a comment in, in regards to is I, I think it was beautiful balance bringing in Freemium and Sam the Hokage at the same time because you get both sides of the Mount uh, discussion. So, so yeah. But, yeah, on Hazard there, I mean, you said it already. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's tough for him, but obviously um, there's always hope. So, hopefully he has a better season, but it's not, it's not looking good. Next up. Cool. Next up, Sal. Definite winner gets to train under a world-class manager in Tuchel in a fixed position. Uh, agree or disagree? Um, open floor. <laughs> fixed position under Tuchel. I don't. I don't know too much about that. To be fair, I do think that I know. I said before, Coventry Kante will get a lot, but I think that um, maybe he he wanted someone more Jorginho-like for when Jorginho couldn't play, and Saul can do that role, but he can also play a second too. So I think. 
with Saul, um, getting to a new environment sometimes will help. And so I think he's a winner for that. And he seems to have taken, you know what I'm saying? He's changed his bio. He's got a lot of the Chelsea kit. He's really going in for the propaganda. So I think that he seems happy. Um, so yeah, I'd say a winner. Yeah, and just to clarify, um, in terms of fixed position, obviously he was playing not he was playing out wide sometimes. Um, but I think when I say fixed position, I mean he's definitely going to be a central midfielder. Um, but the roles within that central midfield might change, but it will definitely be sent based centrally. Um, when I say fixed position, um, freemium comments, yeah, man. I feel like winners and losers is like yin and yang, and if. If we've already agreed that, you know, certain other midfielders, you know, are going to be spending more time at the pub than on the pitch, then they can't be winners. So, therefore, someone has to be a winner. It's got to be Saul, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, next up, Ethan Ampadu, uh, definite loser. He goes to a poor, he goes on a poorly planned loan because deadline day transfers have like when was the last time you heard of a well-structured deadline day transfer um, to a bottom of the league side in Syria that's lost both their opening games and they've got a goal difference at this point in time of minus five. Mind you, there's three other clubs in that exact same position with that exact same goal difference and um, four other clubs who have lost both opening games. But um, it's not looking good. And for me, it's definitely a loser as a result. Um, of the transfer window. Um, Freemium, what do you think? Agree or disagree? Strongly disagree with this one. Yes. He's gone to Ooh. Venezia. He's gone yeah. to Venezia. He gets to wear the sexiest shirt in Europe. <laughs> he's definitely going to He's definitely gonna get game time. And it's a lovely city. He's probably... The film festival is on, is tomorrow, I believe. Hey. Due premiere. He's probably got front row tickets. He's loving yeah. life. I, I agree with Free. Um, he got free. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we talked about the dead zone. Um, but he escaped. Even if it was last day, even if it wasn't the best destination, I'd rather that if I was a player than being here getting no minutes. So I think he's a winner because he, out of all those players, he managed to escape. Cool, cool. Um, last, um, this one's, I was kind of, I don't really have an, I, I don't, I haven't labelled this one yet. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd say he's a winner. Tino Andrewin gets much needed game time with a club that has every incentive to invest in his development, given the option to buy. Agree or disagree, uh, Dan? I don't know how much game time he's going to get. So that's um, an unanswered question. Um, yeah, we'll see. Early reports say he's, because he's not match fit, he's going to need at least three, four weeks to get um, back into fitness, just for context. Yeah, so for me, like with loans, it's never guaranteed just that they go out on loan that they're going to play. So for me, it's difficult to call it until to, I see how, how many games he gets. If he gets games, then he's a winner. If he's on the bench, then, do you know what I'm saying, he's a, he's a loser, just a loser in Russia. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think it's all, for me, it's all dependent on, on that. I don't care. Everyone's saying, oh, why is it Russia? You should go into championship, etc. I, I really don't care about that. When it comes down to it, it's the men's game. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a professional league. Um, and he's still 19. Do you know what I'm saying? So... For him to go out and get regular football in the top league at 19, that's a, that's a dub, if he can get that. But I don't know if he's going to get regular football. I would be less... I'm, I'm less sceptical than um, some people would be because, obviously, you know, I love my U23 football 
and the amount of talent that's been developed um, in the Russian league, especially recently, uh, puts my mind at ease that it is a league that um, young players can develop to and move on to um, higher, higher, higher leagues, um, perhaps but, top five, but we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not, it's not my, I'm not sceptical about the league or I'm not suggesting that he won't play. I'm just saying it's a blanket thing. You know what I'm saying? When someone goes out on loan, that doesn't mean they're guaranteed to play. So if he does play, then then cool. If he doesn't, then that's an L. Cool. Oh, oh, the club um, shattered his hopes and dreams, man. Say again. The club shattered his hopes and dreams, man. The kid was he's, he's young. He, he was training. He's watched Mount. They probably showed him the Mount house after every game. He, he he had he had hopes and dreams, and they've just shattered him by by <laughs> getting him a new contract and then selling him straight out to Russia, man. He he never imagined this. In, in his wildest dreams, he thought he was going to France. He thought it was going to be Marseille, you know, by the seaside. He imagines that. And I was looking at winter coats over in Russia, man. Poor kid, man. He's definitely a loser, man. Oh, sorry for him. <laughs> with, T- with, with Tino Andrian, yeah? Um, tell me if I was the only one that thought this. When I heard he's going to Russia, local motor Moscow, I was like, this is a young man of colour going to a league that's had its issues and a country that's had its issues with race. Um like, was anyone else concerned about that? No. I'm concerned. I'm always concerned. Always. Yeah, so I'm not necessarily concerned about it, but that's just because, like, I'd be concerned about Tammy going to Italy, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, it's bad, but I, I just feel like, yeah, they're going to face it. And it's going to be a year. I don't know if he's going to life over there. I've heard people run from Russia and all of those type of places um, because it can be tough. Like, other Muni, he's half Russian, and even he didn't life over there. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough for him, but at least, you know, if it is tough enough, he's on loan, so he doesn't have to stay there. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, oh, I saw it and I just thought, wow. Um, obviously, maybe it's still a hangover because I'm still somewhat traumatised from Chris Samba at Anzi um, way back in the day when they had money. So um, hopefully um, we talk about it. We talk about his performances and his time at Moscow for footballing reasons and just that. Um, but we'll see. Um, so just now, just uh, as we look to wind down, we'll take some questions, um, some of which we've already covered kind of throughout the pod um, from you, the listeners, which we greatly appreciate. So the first question, um, we've kind of, we've definitely covered this, but um, do Chesiawa care about um, Cho's playing time um, more so than Cho himself? And that comes from Leo Clark. Um, Dan, do you have an answer to this? I, I just think it's a weird question because I don't really understand the question. Do we care about his playing time more than him himself? So, if you could, if do you have an idea on the question in terms of what it means? Because for me, it's confusion, confusing. How we? Yeah. Have- so for me, I don't know. Um, I don't know if they think him learning, staying under two core and playing with the quality of players that we do is better for him than going on loan and actually playing minutes because maybe if he was 16, 17, you could argue that, but not at 20. Right. This is why the question for me is just ambiguous. Maybe it's a joke thing. Well done. It's a good joke if it is. But um, yeah, in terms of what's best for him, I don't understand what he's trying to suggest is what's best for Hudson. I don't, because he hasn't really... Um, explain that 
Um, do we do I care about his playing time? I think any player that is talented needs the playing time, especially at least some body of work, just to show people what they can do. And I think it's a shame that Hudson at this point, because he's 21 now, hasn't got that. So yeah, of course that I want him to get uh, more playing time. Yeah, I think and um, go on free Yeah, I, I feel like they're they're saying that you know that maybe he's just happy to be part of the team. He's happy to to sit on that bench and, he, and and maybe we care a bit more than than than. Uh, fair team. enough, but he's not. He tried to go to Dortmund. Yeah, I don't I agree with the I don't agree with the question. I feel like yeah. anybody who's sitting on the bench is going to be upset about it. I don't feel I don't feel like people become professional yeah. football football players to sit on the bench and to watch yeah. other people play football. Yeah, he's tried to like he's linked to Bayern straight out the gate. And he, he handed a transfer request to go there. Um, they came in with a second bid as well. Um, so you can see that there was that link again. And then he tried to go to Dortmund. So he has tried to manoeuvre to go somewhere where he feels like he can get football a couple of times. He signed a long-term contract. He faced a backlash from the fan base when he tried to get out. He's in a difficult situation. But I just I do feel like it's a mess from his agent team. And yeah, it is sad that he hasn't been able to put together regular performances or starts. Yeah. He's definitely not doing what I what he's. I'm not seeing the same vibe um, from Hudson Odoi as like Jesse Lingard, who just seems to be all about vibes at this point in time, um, and just content kind of um, getting scrap minutes and garbage time minutes here and there. But um, second from last question comes from TK. Much appreciated. Um, thoughts on Jorginho's start to the season. Are you content with what Havertz is showing? So, uh, freemium, I will go to you first. Um, thoughts on Jorginho's start to the season? Um, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been he's been his usual self, really. I mean, he had a poor game last game, I'd say, if I'm not remembering. One of the games was poor. I can't remember which one. I think it might have been last the last uh, at least the first half, anyway. And um, but yeah, that's just comes with the territory, man. You can't play amazing every game. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like yeah, I feel like that's what you get with the that's the play you have. I think maybe some now he's become a little bit because his one stuff is coming a little bit overrated. But um, see, he's he's gonna have he's gonna have games where you know not all pass come off. He's not the most amazing passer in the in the game. He's gonna have games where maybe he he gets he misses the interception. They run past him. It's gonna happen. That's just that's just uh, that's just the player, isn't it? So. I'm not particularly surprised by his start of the season. I'm not particularly disappointed by his start of the season. Um, I do feel, feel like he'll pick it up and he'll get better with um, as, the, as the games come. Uh, with Havertz... Um, thoughts on Havertz, yeah. Yeah, man, Havertz. Havertz, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I've always been a Havertz fan. Never, I never never doubted him. Still not going to have him. He's, 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 uh, he's started brightly. He's played two games and he's been good in both those games, man. Yeah, he's, I feel like he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna have a killer season. I really believe it, and I really hope so because I'm really getting sick of the the shouts that I'm hearing about um about other players in the team. When, when we've got some serious serious talent. Oh my Havertz, God. And people are still talking about Americans that are sitting on the bench. It's like, come on, man, please, like, please, let's be let's be real, let's be honest, let's be honest. Not all of these players are world class or have world class potential. Let's be honest. Let's just say what it is. Some of them have world class potential. Some of them are currently playing at their maximum. It's downhill from here. I'm not gonna say no more. No. I'm not gonna say no names, but we know who they're. Fair enough, my guy. Um, I'm can, I'm happy with um, Kai. Obviously, I feel like he 
there's there's definitely more levels to, to go, but I'm very content with it. And J Five's just started the season as he's as he's ended it in my as he ended the last one in my opinion. Just um yeah, just running stuff, um, doing doing what he does. Uh Dan, thoughts on Jorginho start to the season? I you know what? This season I've been more like a spectator. I haven't really been analysing games or my head hasn't really been in it. Um I think I, I couldn't really tell you. I'll go along with what you guys say. I just trust what you, you guys say. I've been watching, but I haven't been retaining performances. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, Havertz scored that good goal with the, with his header. Um, but yeah, I'm not worried about either of them, if that's what the question wanted to find out. So with your spectators cap on, are you content with what Havertz has done so far? Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, yeah. So like with, with Havertz, I've always thought he's a baller, so... Um, I just don't have my analysis. It's early, do you know what I'm saying? I'm still kind of rusty. I don't have my analysis head on. I'm watching it just to enjoy it rather than trying to pick things apart. Yeah, I hear that. All right, um, last question before we wrap up. Um, this comes from Tony. He says, Tuchel seems to be dead set on playing with three at the back this season. With the addition of Sal, do you see us potentially switching up formation to a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3? If so, what would be your starting eleven in these formations? Um, I'll give my opinion first and pass it to you guys. Uh, honestly, I don't really see uh, us playing it. I, I would love for us to have situations, especially against smaller clubs, where they're going to sit deep like a Newcastle perhaps. Um, where we could deal with an extra midfielder and go to a conventional 4-3-3. Um, but I just don't see it happening um, with Tuchel. We seem very, very set on um, the three at the back system. So sadly, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there's a need to name a best 11 because um, we, we, we probably won't see it. We'll just see a very um, tactically adaptable um, three at the back system. Uh Dan, what's your take on the, on the question? I don't know. I just think, do you know like how everyone was playing 4-4-2 and then all of a sudden everyone is playing 4-3-3? I think now it feels like everyone's doing this, leave three defenders back, one of the fullbacks attacking, one of them defensive. Whatever, whatever way you do it, it seems like people want five men across the top. And it's, for me, it gets boring when everyone tries to do that. And I think Tuchel wants that as well. Everyone's trying to do it. It's the new kind of, to be fair, it started in Germany. Do you know what I'm saying? So obviously Tuchel's from there. So he's not in copycat mode. That's just his heritage. But um, I don't think it matters because I think even with a 4-3-3, we'll just end up with five across the, the top and, you know, a back five base as well. So like everyone's screaming 4-3-3, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I don't care. Cool. Um, three, what do you think of it? I don't think we're ever going to go to a 4-3-3. I feel like we might see some in-game 3-5-2 because I've already seen, we saw that a little bit in the second game where Havertz was dropping deep to, to feed the to feed the, the, the Mount and uh, Lukaku. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't imagine us ever starting a game. But, I don't, yeah, I don't imagine us ever starting a game with a different formation, to be honest. And if if we I can see maybe the the three five two, but it's just I feel like that's more of an in game tweak when uh, when the midfield gets a bit a bit crowd overcrowded. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I feel like if we ever switch to um, a three man midfield, we'd um, jumpstart a lot of people, a lot of midfielders' Chelsea careers. Um, 
guys on loan, guys in the dead zone and so on. But um, I think we'll leave it there. Um, thank you both for joining me. Um, free pleasure being on the pod with you for the first time. Hopefully, definitely not the last time. Um, Dan, uh, always a pleasure being on the pod with you. And uh, thank you to you, the listeners, for um, listening. And we hope you enjoy the content. And um, we look forward to um, next time we, we, we provide some content for you to listen to. All right, safe fellas. Sports Social Podcast Network.